0: that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Dr.
1: Geneva speaks. Thank you for tuning in to Dr. Geneva speaks. where you'll hear amazing leaders from across the nation and around the world. Your host, Dr. Geneva Williams, a cutting edge, transformational leadership coach, hopes and believes this show will enlighten, entertain, and inspire you to make a difference in the world. So listen up as Dr. Geneva speaks. Well, hello, hello, hello. I hope everyone is uh, doing uh, fantastic this day, and we're in for another uh, stimulating, inspiring, uh, awesome conversation with an individual who I think will—I'm just absolutely convinced—will, will, will give us some terrific tips and strategies as we talk about leadership and career success. You know, at, at each, at each session that we have today, each conversation, I, I just get more and more excited as we explore uh, the thinking of. Uh, Today, CEOs of corporations, the presidents of nonprofits, and chief of everything entrepreneurs who are leading uh, markets, their organizations, making an impact on the community. And I hope this show continues to uh, inspire you and to look at life and leadership through an entirely different Uh, prism. And you know, that's what we want to do. We want to hear about personal stories behind successful women and men and learn from them. Learn what makes them tick and frankly what ticks them off. Uh, Hear what breaks their heart and what they're doing about it. Hear how they're pushing, pushing the leadership envelope. We know that leadership today is tough and sometimes it feels lonely. Sometimes you don't know what to do, but we are hoping that this show again gives you those strategies for your career and for success. And today, today I'm just so excited because we have uh, an individual who's a professional certified coach with more than 25 years of management experience in the automotive, technology, manufacturing, and government field. And so today we bring you Chris Sear, and over the course of Chris's career, she has led in the roles of business development manager, process consultant, and internal corporate coach. Uh, She's been an uh, executive leadership coach with Fortune uh, 500 companies, and she's worked with executive managers and business leaders globally. To achieve dynamic business results, and at the same time, has assisted leaders to develop more work life balance, which we want to definitely have some conversation about. And Chris has co developed a transformational leadership coaching program as well as the Coach Development and Mentoring Program, which has which have received awards and has been presented at various conferences. So we really have an expert with us uh, on today's show. She's been a consultant with General Motors. She's also been with EDS, uh, another giant company, and she's worked on... Numerous projects And has served as a consultant To leaders To increase productivity And she has a monthly newsletter Called It's Never Too Late uh, With how-to tips For top performance Um, And so we're just Delighted that she's going to be Sharing some of that With us And in fact And, in fact, she's got a book that's going to come out in uh, 2016, Make It Happen, Career Strategies for Women by Women. And so it is my pleasure
0: to welcome
1: Chris here. How are you, Chris?
0: Well, thank you, Dr. Geneva. I really appreciate being here. Thank you.
1: Good, good. Well, you know, you have such an impressive uh, Resume, you've talked with many people, you've helped leaders all over the world, and, and so I'm just delighted to have you. But I always, with my guests, I always like to start with uh, finding out a little bit more about you, the person. Uh, so tell us about Chris. Uh, tell us about, uh, you know, where you were born, um, what your childhood was like, and, and what got you into this field of work.
0: Um, it, it's been a hard won uh path in becoming a coach. I was born in Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Uh and in many years ago, we won't go into how many. <laughs> and um I I started out working for the city of Detroit in uh, the city engineering's office, as well as uh, Department of Transportation. And that's where I started to learn project management techniques. I went to Wayne State University to begin with, and I also went to Macomb Community College for an associate's degree in information technology. My feeling was I would get the education I needed for the particular role that I was doing at the time. Uh, I helped with the inventory system, developed a computer room, that kind of thing, with uh, the city of Detroit uh, Department of Transportation. And from there decided to spread my wings and I went to uh, electronic data systems. Um, And that's where I got my very hard lesson, which is being, um, we don't have to do it all to have it all. It's about being selective. Uh, today's world is powered by technology. And what I found that we all get into is that the faster it goes, the faster we try to keep up. And this is challenging because it's, a, it's an expectation we can't match because we can never catch up with technology. You learn one thing, another thing pops up that you need to learn. And especially mm-hmm. as, as women, we want to prove ourselves, be the best, most productive, most efficient person. And I was no different. But what I found was as I wanted to uh, succeed, I had less and less of a private life. Now, I met Daniel, my husband, uh, 28 years ago. Uh, we were married, and I became the mother of two stepsons. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I am the proud grandma of two little boys one, four, one, two. Uh, oh, that's and it, it's just been a wonderful experience because on my own, I never had children because I was giving myself to my career. hmm. Um, At EDS, I saw my share of death marches, but the last one I participated in was a doozy, and it was a life-changing experience for me that nearly, literally cost me my life and led me to change my focus from computers to executive coaching. Okay. We were told we were told that if we didn't put some major process changes into our system, and our system was huge, mm-hmm. our client would not would not renew our multi billion dollar contract. And mm-hmm. we had had that contract for twenty years, okay. so there was lots of stress. Oh, I can imagine. Of,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Oh, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, late night work, uh, lots of twenty four seven, always on call. And I didn't look after my health. Um, I didn't sleep well, Mm -hmm. and I didn't eat well. And don't ask my husband about how cranky I was, because he'd tell you (laughs) the truth, and I'd be embarrassed. Uh huh. Uh huh. And this went on for a long time. So then one day, I walked into a meeting, and people were talking and i did not understand a word they were saying it was a truly twilight zone moment i mean it was like am i in the wrong place
1: mm-hmm. my
0: brain said enough is enough e- e- enough is enough and essentially left the building mm-hmm. i was quiet during the whole meeting going oh my god i can't understand what they're saying mm-hmm. so i excused myself Uh, Said I was sick, I went home, I was driving on the expressway at 80 miles an hour, and I fell asleep behind the wheel. I never had done that before. I woke up just in time to see I was going over 90 and accelerating, and I was headed into the cars ahead of me. Luckily, it was the middle of the day, or we would have had a massive accident. Mm -hmm. I slowed down, I went to the side, and I started driving slowly, and I fell asleep again. I could not stop doing that, and I found out later that's called microsleep. The brain starts shutting down parts of the brain because it's overused, overworked, overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So I prayed to God if I could get home alive and didn't kill anyone, I would change how I worked and lived. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got from being... Uh, in project management, to management, into coaching, um, sometimes it takes having those kinds of experience to wake you up and realize, "Wait a minute, this just isn't working for me. I'm not happy. I feel bad all the time." And now my brain said, "Sorry, can't work the way you wanted it to." So I went on a leave. I learned about coaching. I applied many of the tools I learned when I went back to work, and I went from a 60-hour work week to 40, and sometimes less, and improved my performance rating from average to excellent, and that lasted for 10 years.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So
0: I decided that's what I was going to do. My field would be executive coaching, and I wouldn't look back. And Mm -hmm. I don't want any woman, or man for that matter, to go through what I did. So now everything I do is focused on helping people to be selective, develop their untapped potential, and achieve outcomes they never thought they would do. And that's where this booklet came in, the 100 plus tips Mm -hmm. taking the business Mm -hmm. out of business. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: They were an accumulation of over 100 tips that I had learned and shared with my clients that they found useful. And I wanted to be able to spread that message to begin with to more than just one-on-one coaching, but, you know, across a larger audience.
1: Mm -hmm. So, Chris, I mean, you really had a, a, you know, a traumatic experience, Um, something that um, really, as you said, when you you said it, it really changed your life and was life-threatening. Um, and so that's how you got into executive uh, executive coaching. So you went from the, the day-to-day project manager to then coaching others on how to be uh, efficient and make the best use of their time. Is that
0: right? Right, and that's where my newsletter came in. That newsletter okay. was with EDS. I had 100,000 people that subscribed to it, Mm -hmm. um, that was our employee base. And um, as I learned new techniques, as I learned new techniques from other coaches, I would share those things, stories that people would tell me about how to make life easier. I was really amazed. There was one gentleman I was talking to who said, you know, I would really like to be able to sit on the porch with my little son and watch the sun go down. And But I have all this work to do, I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. So that was more, what was more important? Well, he chose the work over a very personal experience. I'm saying we can have both just by realizing these are the things we need to do. Let's skinny it down to the most essential thing. Sometimes we make a mistake, then we go ahead and we correct it. But we need time for ourselves. We need time for our relationships. That's what life is all about, relationships and connections. Not the work. The work mm-hmm. is secondary. So so you
1: had the okay, so let's explore that a little bit, you know. So you say the work is secondary. Um, and so what's primary and how do you keep focused on the primary, uh, when you're being paid to do the work, aren't
0: you? Well, you are, but you don't have to do all the work. And, and let me explain uh, a model I developed. It's a very simple model. I call it the three C's. The first C is clarity. Mm -hmm. What's my vision for my life? work being a major part of that, of course. We understand that we need to, um, there are certain expectations of us uh, as we move into uh, a role. But not everything in that role needs to be done. For instance, um, you, you may be able to delete some emails that are redundant Uh, Just look at emails a couple times a day rather than constantly looking at them. Um, You may, instead of answering the phone every time it rings, um, put it to the side, put it on mute so you can do, uh, you, you can have a meeting with yourself kind of thing as you would have a meeting with someone else. Mm-hmm. Okay. um, but it's your it's your vision of what is it that I want to accomplish? What are my values? What are my goals? what What makes me feel good to get up in the morning? Um, the more we understand about ourselves and how we tick, the better able we're able to focus on the things that are important, use our skills and characteristics and personality in order to uh, bring the best value to our organization. It was really strange. At one point, I had four people that were always on my performance rating. I never could please all four. They all needed to have this done, this done. Everyone had something else done. And they always told me that I never quite got them what they needed. So I would get average. So when I came back from the leave – I said to myself, okay, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing here? What are my what 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 are the things that I'm trying to achieve? And I wrote those things down. I gave myself measurements to see if this is if I'm I'm meeting those obligations. And I forgot about what those four people were wanting. I mean, they were part of the task list, of course. But I just fit it into what I was doing. After that, when I skinnied it down when I was selected about the tasks that I were going to do and in the order I was going to do them. And that took some, you know, time to work those things out. That's when my performance rating became great. I said, I don't know what you did, but, boy, Mm -hmm. you really are exceeding my expectations. And I thought, yes, I'm finally getting it. Mm -hmm. And that was with Mm -hmm. a lot less work. And other people started coming to me and saying, I just got average i've been working like crazy. What am I doing wrong? So we would sit down and I started coaching unofficially so it right. it really you know being selective on what you do and it takes planning and takes reflection, but it really helps and so
1: and what so this thing that really helps is this first see, this uh clarity, being clear about. What's important in in your life? What the values are yes. that are important to you? Okay. Yes. So yes the you, second thing so is consistency.
0: Okay. okay. Consistency. And and consistency is what's my plan? What are the strategies that I'm going to use in order to accomplish my vision? That's where the productivity things come in. Uh, that's where you know. Uh, how am I going to handle relationships? What, what am I going to do here in order to do what I, I think is the best thing right now? Now, keep in mind that the vision changes as we grow
1: mm-hmm. and we
0: evolve. And so that vision might change 90 degrees or even a 360, but that's okay because we're learning, we're growing, we're adapting, we're being flexible. It makes life adventurous. And it makes life enjoyable. And we're doing good good along the way. The third C Uh is very important, and that's courtesy. How do I influence? How do I inspire and communicate with others with respect, both giving respect and receiving respect? What are my boundaries? How am I going to handle these things without burning bridges or creating grudges? So that's the three C's kind of thing, which the booklet like falls into. Okay. And then do you give specific uh, uh, tips and
1: strategies for each of these C's? And can you share some with us?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yes. I have some favorites. Um uh, okay, Everybody has note. different favorites. There's over 100. Um, oh, wow. Okay. But... My favorites, as I was looking at it today and I was thinking, hmm, which which ones did I really like and would would want to bring them up if the occasion came about? And that was, like, tip number one says design life on your own terms, not based on other people's expectations. Very often uh, we choose a career path or – We live up because of somebody else's expectations. Um, They think that this is the best for us. Our parents love us, cherish us, and want to protect us and make sure that we're safe and secure. And sometimes they want to push us into an area that we're not really happy about because they think that's the best for us. But we need to make that decision on our own to look at. What What is it that they're wanting, and is that really something that I'm wanting? And so what is my big picture? What is my 20,000-foot-high big picture? What is that going to look like so I can start going further down and, and further down into the specifics of what I'm going to do? Another one okay. mm-hmm. is tip number six. I really like this one. Stay mm-hmm. focused on the end result. Because then the what you're going to do and the how will become evident. The end result is this is how I want to experience my life. This is how I want to experience my career. These are the things that I want to see as I'm doing um, whatever role I'm in. You know, I want to help people to grow. I want to help. Uh, the uh, organization become more profitable. I want to do this, that, or the other, and I really, really, really like teaching as opposed to doing uh, statistics. So once you start looking at what are the things that you like to do and what are the things you don't like doing based on the end results that you want to achieve, then you can start looking at the various possibilities of what you would want to do and then once you figure that out, how am I going to do it? How do I get from where I am now to being able to do that? What skills do I need? What experience do I need to um, have? Uh, what what education might I need? Uh-huh. So I think that one is is very important. Also, if you're in a corporation already, and as in my case, we had a lot of different projects we had to do. I wanted to make sure the client was very happy, wanted to make sure that their expectations were exceeded. So how would I do that in relation to what projects I was given internally as well? So it all kind of works together. It takes a little practice. There yes. are mistakes, yes. but,
1: uh-huh. you know,
0: that's how we learn. That's right, um, and that's how we grow. hmm Absolutely. Tip number 18 was another one I like. Look for ways to contribute more value, which increases your own value. It's called citizenship in organizations. And so it's not just looking at your own area, but to look outward and see how can I influence and inspire other areas to be more profitable. Are there other products that could be developed? Uh, Is Does my client, would my client need some of the things other areas are uh, providing? So looking for ways to contribute, always to contribute.
1: And when we talk about contributing, is that uh, uh, internal to the organization as well as in the community or externally?
0: Yes, yes. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and oftentimes, when you're contributing in the community as well, you're learning new skills, you're applying mm-hmm. what you already know, uh, so you're helping them and you're helping yourself to grow at the same time mhm 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 so now chris
1: you've you know you've worked with leaders in all aspects of uh you know government and technology and Business, et cetera what are the what would you say are the greatest challenges facing leaders today?
0: I would think the biggest challenge facing leaders today is managing change. Mm-hmm. For one thing, industries come and go you know almost in a nanosecond. mhm. Uh, products come and go. I remember a long time ago at EDS, there was a a group of managers who said, those mainframes are uh, going to stay forever. Those those PCs on on desktops, they're not going to last. So it was a little, you know, short-sighted. So it's keeping ahead, looking toward the next step what is what is the next thing that's going to happen, and how are mm-hmm. we going to keep our company moving um, so that it stays viable, that it stays mm-hmm. in, in, uh, uh, profitable? so change change is very mm-hmm. difficult mm-hmm. and do, do you how
1: how have you found as you work with leaders? Managing change, have you seen some um, you know what are some of the, the the great examples of leaders that you've seen who've done you know who've done some really uh, good things with managing
0: change? Um, I'm trying to think of some specific mm-hmm. examples
1: <laughs> or there may be some. Uh, you may want to share with us something that you've seen that really hasn't been uh, uh, a, a great way to manage change or some some leaders that you've seen that perhaps haven't done it the best way.
0: Well, I can give you the same example showing both ends of the spectrum. Oh, great. That, great. that giant project I was talking to you about earlier. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. uh, in the beginning, it was a major process change to all the processes in uh, the things that we were doing for General Motors. Huge, huge project. However, some EJ, EDS management people felt that it would only take nine months for us to go from where we were now to where we needed to go. It typically took companies, just to go one level up two years they thought we could do it in nine months Um, very high expectations and it was very unrealistic I was part of the first group that went in to do this stuff and management said you go tell them that they need to do this Um, but they didn't give us authority which gave us a lot of tense moments uh-huh. and you know okay. that you know that anyone when you go in and tell them you have to do it and you don't have the authority behind it what they're going to tell you <laughs> they totally ignored us mm-hmm. it, it, it was terrible um so and our managers that managed our our project did not they blamed us For them not meeting the first uh, deadline. So from a management perspective in managing change, you need to be behind your people, you need to give them the authority that they need to do that stuff, and you need to have their back if you want that to be successful. And you need to pave the way so people can see the benefit for the change, even though it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be uncomfortable, you need to prepare them for that. So that was the bad part, the part that Mm -hmm. didn't work well. Later on, they brought in management who did support their people, gave authority, stood behind us, and then things started to change. Mm -hmm. Then we were able to talk to people and say, these are the benefits of why you need to do this. And Mm -hmm. by doing that, they started to open their eyes. They started working with us as equals because in the beginning, I would sit at one end of the conference table and everybody else was sitting at the other end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you felt really lonely. Mm -hmm. After a while, when we got the new management in, that's when people started Treating me as part of the team, and they did that with everyone else as well. So, leadership has to be behind whatever they're giving their people. They need to give their people the appropriate authority. They they uh, need to pave the way and say this is what you need to do and why you need to do it. So that's the both ends of the spectrum. Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: So now, Chris, I know in your you know, vast experience, you've worked with uh, men and, and women leaders. How different are the leadership styles of men and women? And is one better than the other?
0: Interesting question. How do I answer this? Men tend to be more direct Um, Some women tend to be overly direct. They overcompensate. Uh, When I was interviewing people for my book, uh, one woman was very surprised. She said, you know, you would think that women would support each other. And in some cases, they do. And I'll go into a few tips on, on that, but Mm -hmm. If you go into a competitive environment, women are more competitive with you than men. And she said that was very difficult because Mm -hmm. you thought you had a network of support when you didn't.
1: Mm.
0: So I think, and I like the more um, nurturing kind of of management style. Because I always wanted to um, develop people's potential, uh, build their confidence, and things like that, rather than saying, do it now, you didn't do it, you failed, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, what I found, though, when I talked to various people, when I coached various people, they all had different management styles. Some worked better than others. But it wasn't where men's styles were better than women or women's better than men. I do think that a more um, understanding, compassionate leadership style uh, really helps to motivate people more. They're more willing to follow you um, than somebody who says, do it and do it now. Mm -hmm.
1: And and is that... Uh, is that an aspect that you explore in your, I know you've got a book coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think it's called, is it, is it Make It Happen, Career Strategies for Women by Women? Yes. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I'm sure it's going to be an awesome book. And so I was wondering, do you explore that as this aspect of uh, nurturing versus competitiveness versus support system and all of that that you've found uh, as you work with uh, various uh, groups and individuals?
0: Yes. (coughs) Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And what i found is that people will view nurturing as weakness unless there is confidence in the person who is nurturing because otherwise okay. they look as somebody that they can, you know, push around, which is unfortunate, but that's how they look. Okay. Uh, who need, right. You need to have that confidence. And one of the things that the 30 women I interviewed from all walks mm. of life said mm. confidence was a biggie. And some people had okay. a hard time with confidence. And one of the things that I found, and and I have done this myself, is that when a woman talks, a lot of times they will do what's called up-talking, where they finish the, uh, when they're talking, they talk with a question mark, and they, you know, and I find that very annoying. And what it sounds like especially to uh, high-testosterone men, that you're trying to get get their validation for what you're saying instead of you saying, well, this is how I see the situation and these are the things that I, I believe need to be done because of. So people were having trouble with that on occasion, so they had to break that habit of up-talking. Um, Mm -hmm. which would help with the confidence. The other thing was some people, and I thought this was interesting, uh, one woman felt she didn't have enough knowledge, so she went and got her MBA. Um, She felt more confident because she had her MBA, but she realized she already had all the knowledge she needed in order to do her job exceptionally well. Mm -hmm. The MBA was more for her own feeling of confidence. Okay. Okay. Mhm. Mhm. So, confidence is is a big one. Mhm. Mhm. I also found and I've been thinking this for a very long time. So, it's kind of ne- nice to have it validated by these women being entrepreneurial in your thinking whether you're in a corporation, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an educator or a professional doesn't matter considering yourself as if you are your own company and you are the, the product and what you're providing is the service. When you, mm. look, when, when you look at, say, going into a corporation, jobs today, they come and go. What we need in order to be secure is to look at our value. What is the value we bring? How am I different from the other people that are competing for the same uh, job and Mm -hmm. develop that value proposition and that brand. You know, what is it that you want other people to know about you and why would they care, basically? So there was a lot about branding. Um, There was a lot about managing your career rather than... um, just reacting to situations it employed um, uh, career development doing research development uh, building business relationships and having to deal with one thing that women specifically have had a hard time bar none and that is the uneven playing field you know it's a man's world still To some extent, women are starting to chip that away, but we need to be able to be confident without sounding like we're overcompensating, where we need to lead with uh, assurance to be able to communicate succinctly, not to hold grudges, not to get. I I think emotions are okay in a corporate environment or any environment, but it's how we display them and how we react and what we say, that's the important part in that kind of thing. So communication is extremely important. Um, The direction you want to go. Um, And planning your career. And again, that you need to be looking at, just like you look at your budget, you need to be looking at your career plans at least quarterly to make sure you're on track, or has things changed? I usually ask my clients, are you still excited about the goals that we had put together? And if they say, you know, I say from one to uh, 10, where are you on excitement? And they'll say a four, then we look at why isn't it no longer um, exciting for you, what's what's coming up? What obstacles are there? Mm-hmm. Or if it's mm-hmm. a ten, we know we're raging, man. We're we're going for it. So that's right. That's right. Those those kinds of th- you know, I love to hear people be really, really energetic about stuff, especially when
1: mm-hmm.
0: we've talked about an action to take, and they they come up with their own actions. Um, I question, and and. Through that, their thinking comes around to what they want to do. When they're not quite sure it's going to work, and then they find out, they come back and they say, oh, my gosh, productivity has increased. People have been staying at work more, you know, no no longer all this sick time taken off. This is fantastic. Then they're willing to continue on because they've made a, a major impact. They've had some insights, and it's really wonderful to see gives me goosebumps.
1: Oh, I'm sure. I know. And as you talked to, and what did you say? You interviewed uh, 30 women? Yes. Uh, 30 different. And on career strategies, and I'm sure they talked about leadership and all of that. Was there a, this is the uh, most common, you know, career strategy, that they talked about, everyone mentioned this, or was there something that seemed uh, the same uh, career strategy that people thought that these women leaders thought really made a difference?
0: Business relationships. Ah,
1: okay. Having a network. Yeah. Okay. okay. Having
0: that network. Um, some people talked about having a coach, I had a coach okay. for 11 years, mm, which really okay. helped. But also having mentors, you know, finding someone that you can ask advice from who is at a higher level than yourself, who can uh, you can go to and say, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to handle this situation. Can you give me some advice? So mentors are very important. Also, something that I heard years ago that Oprah once talked about having a board of directors. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of these women had extensive business networks where they always had people that they could talk to about other opportunities, about what do you think I need to do to gain this skill, um, all, all manner of things. But the stronger their relationships were, um, and it, it didn't matter that they, if they had, you know, twenty people or a hundred people, um, it, it was having people that could help them either uh, with a resource they needed for a project, as in one case, a woman would develop relationships with others. So if she had a, a project to do, then and she didn't have a particular resource she needed. She knew to contact somebody uh, who might have that person, and then she would negotiate for that resource. Helped her out many, many times. Um, So it's – and I think this is true in private life, community, and in work and spiritually. It's all about relationships. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room but it's the soft skills that are needed that can help you achieve miraculous things because of how so that, you work with each other.
1: Yeah. So that network of support and and who you know and how you develop, um, you know. And I heard you. I think that's an important point also that you made. It really isn't the number of relationships that you have, but really, the, the quality of them, you know. Absolutely. The, 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 that really makes a, a difference. So so that was, you know, these 30 uh, women leaders that you talked to, and they identified uh, really that relationships, 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 relationships. That's what Absolutely. really ma- matters. Uh, a lot in terms of developing, uh, you know, some really good, productive, uh, impactful career strategies. Did they talk about um, um, things that you shouldn't do that are definitely no-nos? What were some of the no-nos that they talked about?
0: One was don't keep saying yes to everything that comes along Okay. Because you overcommit yourself and then you suffer your credibility. Your credibility suffers because you can't make all the deadlines. So that was one thing they talked about. Um, Not knowing the company you were working for was another one. Uh, You really need to understand the politics. You need to understand the structure. Uh, you need to understand more about what the company is wanting to do because if it doesn 't match your values, mm-hmm. why are you doing it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you you'll just, you 'll just if you 're only wanting money and you 're getting the money that 's great but you 're going to be very unsatisfied mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and when I ask them what was your measurement for success as they started out everyone myself included i'm sure most people feel this way money was important achieving you know going up the ladder that kind of thing was important what they found though that they didn't have the feeling of happiness it didn't mm-hmm. it, it wasn't worthwhile so as they went through their career most said, okay, I need balance or I need uh, a job where I can use my strengths in a different way. Whatever it was, they had they, the only way they felt they were successful is if they were happy. If they weren't happy, they weren't successful.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this whole aspect of um, aligning, I'll use that word, you know, aligning, you know, what you want for yourself and where your values are to the job that you might have seems to be, you know, very important. And when there's a misalignment, you know, there's unhappiness. Um, But if you can find the sweet spot (laughs) between what you value and where you work, then you can be happy and satisfied. Is that what the thinking
0: is? Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's finding mm-hmm. that sweet spot.
1: Yeah. And sometimes
0: it's a little hard because, yeah. you know, as as we're, as as we're going through our careers, life is so fast, sometimes we just don't have the time to do the introspection or to uh really think about, why am I feeling so dissatisfied? Oh, it must be because Mm -hmm. I have all these things to do. It'll go away. Well, it doesn't. But as Mm -hmm. we grow older, we realize, wait a minute, there's something more that I need. I want a purpose that's greater than myself. I want -hmm. want to be happy. I want to be the best me I can be. Mm -hmm. And that can change every day because some days, like me, I can be cranky and other times, I can be pretty good, so you know it 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 depends but it's it's being it's doing the best you can at all times, mm-hmm. even if your best isn't the best
1: mhm
0: so now chris you're you're a you're a a, a, a
1: Coach extraordinaire. I mean, you're certified. You're you're uh, um, you've got all your credentials. You're a member of the Professional Coaches Association of Michigan. How does a coach, or or does a coach? But it would just seem to me that as we're talking about finding this sweet spot, um, that a coach that would be something. I would think a coach would do. How how does a coach help uh, a leader, a growing leader, an emerging leader, find his or her sweet spot?
0: By asking many questions Mm -hmm. and by calling them out when uh, they're making disconnects on things. For instance, one person I was coaching, he was in Navy Intelligence And we couldn't really talk much about what he actually was involved in, but we could talk about how he could achieve what he needed to achieve Um, because he was an executive. Mm -hmm. Was that he, and I can't remember exactly what it was about, but he had a certain belief. And I said, how do you know? He said, what do you mean, how do I know? I said, well, how do you know? What's the evidence? Mm -hmm on that particular belief. Well, I don't know. I just know it is. Well, how do you know? (laughs) And, And we kept going around and around. He said, you're doing that coachy thing on me, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. So how do you know? How do you know that your belief is true? Because what I'm hearing is that this is coming from perceptions that you put together on feeling maybe something happened when you were five years old, I don't know, that's caused you to believe this particular belief. What I'm asking is can you look at it and start considering what the evidence is to support that belief, or is there something that could change so that it works better with what you're doing right now? So that's how, those are the kinds of questions and the, um, as I say to a client, you know, there are times when something comes up and I'm going to call you on it. I'm going to be nice about it. You might be upset with me, but that's what you pay me for. A friend, a spouse, a significant other, whomever may not tell you what they truly believe because they're invested in their relationship with you, mhm, mhm. I am here mm-hmm. to support you in your growth and in achieving your goal, and that's what I do, mhm, you know, when we so see tell, those disconnects
1: so, yeah so so tell us about your a little bit about your business. I mean, how would you know as you talk about what you do and as we've chatted over these past um half an hour or so you know you really have some fantastic tips and clearly you have great experience and so if someone who's listening you know wants to take advantage of your services how do they get in touch with you how can they do that tell us about your professional coaching services
0: okay thank you um My website is executivepotentialplusplus.com. You can go onto that uh, site, and I have a place there on the front page where uh, you can request a um, no-obligation 30-minute consultation to see if my services are something that you would want. I have a web page that shows the various services I give. There's executive coaching. There is leadership coaching. Two of them are a little mm-hmm. different. There mm-hmm. is uh, life, uh, work-life balance coaching. Um, lately, I have been working with another coach doing work through her on job search and career transition coaching, uh,
1: mm-hmm. as well as sure. uh,
0: on my own. There's a variety, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, even with executive coaching, which if we were to look at it as pure coaching, does not take into personal personal values or personal uh, obstacles or that. But what I have found is that everything stems from how we uh, perceive the world, how we perceive ourselves, our values, our beliefs, and everything. So a lot of times it goes into that. I am not a therapist. Sometimes we go a little bit over into that because we're looking at what's blocking them from doing what they want. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if they need a therapist, I will suggest that, which I have done in the past on a couple of occasions. Mm -hmm. Um, It's totally confidential. Uh, Pricing depends on what they want that always is different with each person because it's customized to fit their needs. Um, There are assessments to help them understand more about themselves. Um, And I explain on the website about my ethics, uh, what coaching is about, how the brain works a bit, and changing its perspective based on coaching. Um I think it's a pretty nifty career actually. Yeah. I'm also yes. on LinkedIn and I'm on Amazon as well for my um work products. Great, great, that's fantastic. And so that's executivepotentialplus.com
1: just the name, you know, uh just you know just makes me want to call. <laughs> <And> <laughs> thank <I'm> sure, you <laughs> yes and i'm sure anyone who's um you know listening who really wants to you know take it to the next level uh with someone mm-hmm. who's had some you know really tremendous experience and and so you know chris i'd like to ask uh all of my uh guests um mm-hmm. as we particularly as we're winding down um you know you you talked to so many people, you've helped so many people, you've coached a number of female and male leaders, and you've just been doing a whole lot with your life. What what would you want your legacy to be, particularly in terms of leadership, your leadership legacy? What would you want that to be?
0: I want people, I want to help people be their best me. So in leadership Mm. I want them to be transparent, truthful, um, have their people's backs. I want them to be – I want them to create a a better place in the corporation as well as in the world and that it brings each Mm -hmm. person happiness. Now, there are some days that are just going to be sucky, definitely. Mm
1: -hmm. But if you have Mm -hmm. hope
0: and you have gratitude – for what you have mm-hmm. and what you're doing, and you have integrity to stand up and be courageous about your values in that, you're going to change the world. And I think our world needs some changing. Mm-hmm. And Especially as and leaders. There.
1: That's right. And you're there to help to help leaders do it. Well, you know, Chris here, thank you so much. Um, you've shared so much. Thank, thank you, you for that. having me. Yes, you shared some terrific things with us. Even, you know, from your three C's of clarity, consistency, and courtesy, uh, to sharing with us, uh, you know, your very traumatic experience that shifted your thinking and your career into, you know, the phenomenal work that you're doing today. We really appreciate it and such great tips you gave us. I mean, I have a whole list of of things. Um, and strategies. And so um, I'm just so delighted that you found some time to be with us in this conversation and the best of everything. And to our listening audience, for those of you who want to connect with Chris Sear, com That's how you can reach her. And thank you again so much. Thanks for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks, Dr. Geneva Williams, an expert facilitator and leadership coach, lecturer, and keynote speaker. For more information on Dr. Geneva, visit her online at www.drgenevaspeaks.com. That's drgenevaspeaks.com.